0: For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Limbit Opic.
1: This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Good morning, planet Earth. Limbit Opic here for another three hours of news and comment on the place where we dig deep into the subjects, making the headlines all around the world. Uh, this is no place for me giving you my opinions, though I will share them. I'll highlight them as such. We will give you the facts. Your only responsibility as a today's News Talk viewer is to think for yourself, if you can do that, you're going to have a great three hours. Coming up in this show, we have three very, very powerful contributors. The first one will tell us What amounts to a horror story about social services in the United Kingdom, something which uh, I was concerned about when I was a British Member of Parliament. Well, Catherine has worked on this subject at first hand. She's been in the front line. We'll hear her backstory and also her concerns. You don't want to be missing that one. A salutary warning for the rest of the world on how not to do it. Uh, We're also going to be talking to Mads uh, Palsvig, who is a whistleblower from a very large financial institution, uh, and you'll find out what the whistleblowing was about. And Matt's story is quite chilling. Uh, Once again, uh, giving the space here at uh, TNT, that's today's news talk, to share stories that the mainstream media, MSM, would rather not have you know about. Because it alters the uncomfortable relationship between that aspect of the media that doesn't really expect you to work things out, simply prefers you to drink the Kool-Aid and listen to what you're given. Well, that doesn't happen with Mads. You'll find out why in a short while. And then we've got Linda Jack, who'll be reviewing uh, the upset of the decade uh, in a by-election which took place in the United Kingdom in the north of England, where the Uni Party, also known as Labour Conservative and Liberal Democrat, got absolutely trashed by George Galloway, the man they love to hate. A man who has never been cowed into submission or conformity, but who has once again confounded the pundits with his fourth constituency by election, election win? Uh, What was behind that? Well, uh, Linda Jack has been in two parties in the United Kingdom, Labour Party, where George Galloway started, and also in the Liberal Democrats. She'll give us her candid assessment of why the uni party candidates were crashing and burning while George Galloway rides high. All of that with me in the next three hours. But before we go to my first guest, I want to talk to you about another story I saw as I was preparing for today. It's a hand-wringing concern about birth rates in countries. This is all based on the fact that South Korea, which has traditionally got a very low birth rate, has got an even lower birth rate than the lowest I think it's ever been recorded. Uh, apparently the expected birth rate to sustain a population without immigration is about 2.1 children per month. Well, in Korea, it's something like three-quarters of a child per mum, way below what they need if they want to self-sustain their population. Well, one of the state-sponsored channels in the United Kingdom has been going crazy about that in the last few hours, and also highlighting the fact that the United Kingdom has also got a lower-than-that sustainable birth rate, 2.1 children per mum. But here's the problem. That very same state-sponsored channel tells us that there's a climate crisis and that we're all going to die. And they unthinkingly and unquestionably report people like Gutierrez, the clan in charge of the United Nations, who says we've entered the era of global boiling. Well, let's think about that for a minute, shall we? Who are they blaming for this global boiling? None other than our own species. Yes, the human race. And you would think that these climate catastrophists, the warmest who tell us all this stuff, would be slightly concerned if population was going up. But instead, they're concerned that population is going down. If there were no humans, according to them, there'd be no climate change. They're wrong, of course. That's complete rubbish. But that's their argument. They can't have it both ways. They can't say, we must stop human beings destroying the climate at the same time as saying, we must have more human beings. That's the argument there. Another example of the ridiculous double standards, the lack of joined up thinking, the sort of thing that brings the climate warmists into disrepute. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more uh, tomorrow and we'll certainly be covering it in detail next week as well. Suffice to say, we spot those things here at Today's News Talk. We report them. You might have a different view. Maybe you can explain why state-sponsored channels are more or less exhorting the public to have more kids at the same time as complaining that there are too many humans creating too much carbon dioxide. It just doesn't add up, does it? Well, I'd like to know your views. You can go to uh, tntradio.live and you'll find the chat there. It's always buzzing, it's very lively already. I'll uh, report some of your comments uh, as I have time. Uh, And also you can find the phone numbers there. You'll find three different phone numbers for different parts of the world. Phone in, you might agree, you might disagree. No one is canceled here. Uh, You've got the chance for free speech. And that means dialogue. We're not frightened of differences of points of view. That, I thought, was the essence of a free society. Maybe I'm just being naive, but in that case, I'm proud to be naive right here on today's News Talk TNT, where you are allowed to think for yourself. So coming up in a moment, somebody who hasn't just thought for herself, she's acted for many other people who couldn't, who were oppressed by a very dark aspect of the British state. Uh, that's going to be Catherine uh, Watkins in just a moment. All of that with me on The Topic Show, right here on TNT. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, cuz here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past, and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining me now is a woman who has never been knowingly undersold in terms of her points of view. Uh, somebody who's been a champion, not just for her own rights, but for many other people, and someone who speaks from the experience of seeing how the social services in the United Kingdom work from the inside. It's Catherine Watkins, who is also founder of ExposingTheLie.info and co-host of the radio show Liberty Tactics. She joins us now. Catherine, thanks for joining us here on today's News Talk, TNT.
2: Thank you for having me, Lembet. Thank you for having me to talk about this very... um... I say controversial, but very dangerous subject at the moment that people need to talk about. Very pleased to be on. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I think you found a home here and you will be blessing our viewers uh, with your insights in just a minute. But before we get into that, uh, I have your biography, but tell me and tell the viewers in your own words about yourself and how you got to being here. We'll talk about the actual issues in a few minutes.
2: Well, it actually goes well, it goes back to 2010 when I um um I say I woke up, you know, when we all have that trigger moment. For myself, um, I was pregnant with my almost 14-year-old daughter at the time. Um, so it was it was vaccines. Um that's where my research started for a long time. It was the vaccine in- industry and the medical industry. Um, when COVID came along, just before COVID, I was looking at the the new education that was going into the, the schools the new sex education the highly highly dangerous one that we've adopted from america so i was looking into that so i come across the child protection issues um and since then i've just these has been they've clashed so the medical industry has now clashed with social services now for me this was a huge eye-opener because um, I knew that social services, um, the you know parts of social services were corrupt. Because I know people personally who've been um, involved with them over the years. However, I didn't have so much of a an insight other than the personal stories until a few years ago, um, when these two things that I was doing crossed over: child protection and the medical industry. And I say child protection, obviously, because social services come forth as a as a safeguard from a safeguarding point of view. And how horrified I am, Lembit, to realise that, you know, through through a lot of my life, I believe that social services were there to to help children, you know, in in abusive families, and you know, when they needed to be removed for their for you know their safety, then that you know. But it's actually it's it's not that at all. Um, I'm not saying that social services don't remove children who are in danger. However the stories and I mean there's multiple ones of them that have come forward I've been horrified by not only um how the social services have, have initially been involved um because it only takes one thing they don't go there for absolutely nothing it could be one thing however you know sort of innocent that is once the foot is in the door this is where the problem occurs and they haven't been known to falsify documents omit documents omit evidence and all this is done in a secret setting. I don't know how many people are aware that the family courts are the only court system that are completely secret. There is no press allowed in there. There's no no parliament. Um, I'm not sure about it now, but this book, that um, I was speaking to Brian Gerrish of the UK column, and I know that Brian Gerrish did a lot of work with social services, and he um, recommended this book that I've been reading. And it's called The Gulag of the Family Courts, Guilty Even When Innocent by Jack Frost. Now, this gentleman, um, he went through this process himself with his own child. And there are obviously details that can not be said, names and, and whatnot, because he had, even though he was acquitted, luckily, um because they had all the evidence. Basically his daughter, 10 years old, she was um really sporty oh, I'm, little. I'm girl. sorry, I'm
1: gonna talk, I'm gonna talk over you, Catherine, because I want to get into that just after the break in a few minutes. Okay, I want to sorry. Give it the attention. No, no, don't do not apologize, Catherine. I love Got your it. enthusiasm and your sincerity. <laughs> I'm just wanting to make sure that we don't interrupt what is going to be a very, very intense story I know already. But in a few okay. minutes time, let's go to that if that's okay with you, Catherine. I'm yeah, definitely no not problem stopping from talking about it. Um, in in a sense what you're going to tell people those who haven't had experience of the darker side of social services will probably barely be able to believe what you're going to share Um, but just before we go into that uh, you've actually got quite a long experience of social services and just for those who may not be in the united kingdom or haven't been experienced or exposed to the work of social services it is set up with noble intent how would you describe the the intentions of the social services, whether or not they're achieving it, we'll come back to in a few minutes. Mm. What social services, in your view, intended to do? What should it be delivering to the people of Britain and in other countries which have similar systems?
2: Support to struggling families. That is it. That is it. You know, their whole ethos are keeping families together. So if somebody is struggling and for whatever reason, then social services are there as a should be there as a crutch to help that family in their home, within their, you know, instead of splitting them up, which is what's going on. That's their whole ethos. The first thing they say, our ethos is keeping families together. And what we're seeing is the exact opposite of that. So basically what social services should be for is to um, help and support any families who may be struggling in in any way, whether that's mentally, emotionally, financially. These are what social services were initially set up for, to keep children safe.
1: Okay, so that's a pretty straightforward definition, to keep children safe. Uh, And in terms of something I want to return to later on in the show, uh, in terms of their relationship with, for example, domestic abuse situations. Uh, there's been quite a lot of talk about that. Wrongly, I feel that they focus primarily on women when actually quite a large proportion of domestic abuse is female to male. They they, they sexualize it in a way when it's actually to do with violence, not gender. Uh, in terms of social services itself, uh, it's been evolving. And who would you say is primarily responsible for shaping Social services in this country. By that, I mean: is it is it government? Is it is it state uh, authorities like the Welsh Assembly, or is it local authorities? Who's in charge of social services?
2: I believe it's the local authority is in charge of social services as we know it at the moment. Um, yeah, they are in charge. I think local authority local authority are you know they're supposed to supposed to be held accountable then. Then, but yeah, but um, whether or not they are isn't another story which we'll move on to but yeah the local authority responsible for it
1: Right, and i'm asking to- that because to set the scene there are countless local authorities across the united kingdom
3: mm-hmm. which
1: means if you're correct each local authority is to an extent a law unto itself obviously if you've got millions and millions of pounds you can afford to take them to court but most people who end up with social services haven't got millions and millions of pounds. So Catherine, is it fair to say in terms of the the structure of it, uh, it's not one size fits all and something could go very well in one social services local authority area, but it could be absolutely terrible next door. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The thing is, back in 2007, at least, I'm not sure now, but I was quite shocked by this. I couldn't believe it. When you think about what the LA is actually responsible for, not just social services, but education, finance, you know, all of these different things, planning departments, social services in 2007, I don't know if that's the same now, had 29% of the, of the, of the local authority budget. That's almost a third so what happens in these cases is you're absolutely right as well. They they they've got all the money in the world to throw at any court case. Um, they can pick their experts. They can do whatever they want. And then there's the poor, vulnerable parent who's got no money at all. Although in in, in adoption cases or in in um, forced adoption cases or foster you know care in situations, interim care orders and things like that. Um, obviously, while it's going on. While they're going through this, the 26 week adoption process, the parent will be entitled to legal aid. After that process, the parent is not entitled. So once the baby has been taken and put into adoption, that's when the legal aid stops. So they're no longer able to fight that. And, and actually, at this point, they gagged anyway. Um, So they literally just completely not only priced out, but struck out from every angle it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking.
1: Okay, so let's let's bank what we've got in terms of the structure, and then we'll look at the test case in a few minutes, uh, Catherine. We have a social services system, which in your view should be there to safeguard individuals who are in trouble in families. I would add probably that we should consider uh, adult abuse victims in that as well, male and female. Yes,
4: uh, of it's,
1: course. It's local authority-based, so the massive amount of decision-making power is at a local level, not some minister in in Westminster, where British Parliament sits, but at a local level, at County Hall or or City Hall. And as uh, indeed uh, we've got Madrid uh, confirming, uh, the the local authority really is where the buck stops, unless you have the power to escalate it uh, using skills and resources that most people don't really have. Would that be a reasonable summary of, of, of the structure before we look at your test case?
2: Yes. Yeah, that would be reasonable to say, yeah, in the most sort of basic way, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, well, it's it's a big picture. As long as as, long as the basic way is accurate, then that, that's important. Uh, in a moment, then, we'll come back to you, Catherine. I'm really interested to know about the example that you're giving, because I think this example really summarises what many, many viewers and those people who've been through the social services system will identify with. And it's not a talk yeah. story that's going to make people feel good, but it's a story yeah. that has to be told. Catherine Watkins will come back with us in a minute. Uh, lots going on on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, chats at the moment, do join it. If you want to go on tntradio.live, join the chat. I can't possibly read everything out, but Catherine's right. The, the chat's got very, very active with real examples and real debate about social services. I should also be clear, we're not here just to throw mud at social services. We want things to get right. And we're talking about this because it's not right. You'll get more from Catherine Watkins and me, Lempotopic, here on The Lempotopic Show uh, on today's news talk in just a few minutes. See you shortly. TNT's Misty Winston.
4: We've really seen uh, the, the attacks on press freedom have always existed. Powerful people do not like their secrets exposed. Um, That's a no brainer, right? And so there's always been attacks on press freedom. However, there has been a significant and marked increase. I think really um, it started kicking off really under Bush, but certainly under Obama that it really went into hyperdrive. uh, Trump took that and just absolutely ran with it. Um, I mean, he's the guy that had Assange arrested. Um, that really sets an unbelievable precedent just in general. And so now we're starting to see it spiral out of control.
0: Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT.
2: Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while
0: serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad.
2: Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection.
1: You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost
3: feels like they're really there.
0: We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones,
2: United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. From
3: weather and traffic reports, to news of political developments, we turn
0: to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy. For personal freedom
4: and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before.
3: terrorists are paying with their lives. They face
1: exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll.
0: Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks. Are
4: becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries.
3: We just want people to be safe, to
2: be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions.
4: They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street.
0: These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins.
2: C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom.
4: Baby's back from the West Coast. (laughs) Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. (laughs) So long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence, after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Mm. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to
2: protect that legacy.
3: Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly.
2: And give mom a little credit. <laughs> you know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, so
3: thank great you. Ideas. At my
2: dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires,
4: but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart.
3: I'm
4: coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan right now. The forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now.
2: Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option.
4: Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org
0: today. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, Make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, Use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan.
3: I recently had the great classicist and military historian Victor Davis Hanson on my YouTube show, The Sad Truth. Victor ended our conversation with the following. It's so nice to see an academic who smiles. I don't do it enough, but you do. His comment moved me deeply. Sure, my positive demeanor is partly my nature, but like everyone else, I've had my share of misfortune and disappointment. I grew up literally in the middle of a war zone in Beirut, Lebanon. I had a promising future as a soccer player kicked out from under me by a devastating injury. I've lost coveted teaching positions because of my iconoclastic political views. The list of personal setbacks is very long, so I'm sure is yours. That's just the way it is, and we all know it. But I refuse to let life beat me down. I don't want to be unhappy for five minutes longer than necessary. Life is too precious and too short. To that end, I've given the subject of happiness a lot of thought. Here are seven ways to maximize your happiness. One, find the right spouse. The most important person in life is your spouse, so choose wisely he or she is also the person you are going to spend the most time with. This is why liking your spouse is even more important than loving them.
0: Although thankfully We don't rock, rock. rock. we talk.
1: Don't talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to The Lemotopic Show uh, this Saturday morning, if you happen to be in the United Kingdom or uh, near to us in Europe. Uh, or good evening if you're in Australia. Uh, one of our treasured viewers is drinking Egg, one of the finest whiskies ever to come out of Scotland. Hope you're enjoying the whisky, sir. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, let's uh, have a look at some of the messages uh, coming in, a lot of debate about uh, the social services. I'll read some of these, then we'll go back to Catherine, who's going to give us a pretty interesting uh, case study. Uh, Judith says, local authorities don't set policy, they pay for it. I worked in the family courts for years. Social workers are placed in a very difficult situation. I do agree with that, Judith. Uh, when you hear what Catherine's going to tell us, though, some of it is uh, unforced errors, I would say. but see what you think. Holly says, I'm listening in but having a kitchen day, decided to do too much as usual. Holly, sit down and focus. What you're going to hear from uh, uh, from, uh, Catherine really will deserve your attention. Uh, Judith adds, the argument for opening up the family courts to press and public is to protect the children. I'm conflicted with that one, Judith, but we'll talk about that a little bit later because I want to know what Catherine thinks about that. Uh, unrelated shout out to Cat Watkins from Rosie. There we are, job done. Real warrior and social services are like Jekyll and Hyde, says Rosie. I'm sure there's a backstory to that. Just two more before we go back to uh, Catherine. Uh, the court system is broken, adds Rosie. And just Justberg says to protect the children. That's so much in relation uh, children is clo- in relation to children is cloaked in this way. It makes me think otherwise. Uh, and there's quite a long debate going there, which I won't go into. If you want to get involved in that, go to the TNT radio.live site and see what you think there as well. Uh, Judith is saying some interesting things there, Catherine Watkins. Uh, you've described the structure of social services. Let's get to the example you were going to share because I think this is a salutary lesson to us all. I know it's a sample of one, but it did happen. So share what, yeah. share what you know.
2: Yeah, I mean I can give you multiple examples there, Lembit, but I will focus on this one. Um, actually two of them, if I may. I won't I won't keep you too long on either of them. Um, But the first one was by the author of the book himself, the book that I read out just before the break. The Gulag of the Family Courts, Guilty Even When Innocent by by a man called Jack Frost. Now, this was his own experience. I mean, he goes into Parliament and now everything was involved there. But this was his own experience. So what happened in his case, and this was back in early 2000s. I think it was maybe 2002, 2003. um, So not really that long after the sort of family courts, because it was under Blair where they uh, brought out the family court system. So what happened to him, his um, young daughter was absolutely fine growing up. You know, she wasn't, she was very sporty. She was, you know, into gymnastics and swimming and running. At the age of 10, and and there isn't sort of an explanation how um, she contracted this, but she came down with cerebral palsy at age 10 and she was very, very sickly. So um, obviously, as her parents, they were taking her back and forth. The um, doctor's trying to figure out what was wrong with her. You know, she was having seizures. She was um, very, very tired. She was achy. She was really sick for, you know, a period of time. So when they were taking them back and forth, the the hospital then um, sort of made out that the mother was, um, they accused the mother of Munchausen's um syndrome by By proxy right now this is a this is a very very controversial subject it was actually coined in 1977 by dr roy meadows and he i'd have to come back on he was involved with all this anyway but it's actually um don't get me wrong there will be people out there who do this sort of thing however it's very very rare and it seems that Munchausen's um, syndrome by proxy is being used as a cover for certain things anyway they had accused this parent of of, um, Munchausen's by proxy and then they started social services got involved so social services obviously came forward then from a referral from the, the doctor um, because obviously, if if you know if you're making your children sick purposely, then there's a, there's obviously a safeguarding issue there. So that's how social services got their foot in the door initially in the first place. They'd all in the background, they you know they were still looking for answers. They were going through. They finally got a diagnosis of um, ME and chronic fatigue syndrome for their daughter. So they thought that was the end of it. But then social services came knocking on the door, and they went. So they had to go to court. They went thankfully they proved all the evidence they had all the all the evidence and they actually proved this and they did have um um i think they had compensation or an apology from the council involved however they were still not allowed to speak of this case so even in the book himself there's only very very limited detail he's still not and this was 20 years ago so he had a gag in order basically put on him and even And this is why guys we're not unless you know somebody personally who's been involved you're not going to know because they've got gagging orders. But I just so that that was his story about about um, one of the councils. But there was another one in here, and this is really heartbreaking. Just, and this just, is like,
1: so before going to this one, what was the final outcome of that? The outcome one? was how did things result?
2: It resulted in they were they actually they were wrong. The case was dropped. However, they still weren't allowed to give anything out. And even when the the young girl was a little bit older. She said she wanted to, you know, she wanted her story to be in the public, and they still wouldn't allow her to give her to to So they actually, thankfully, kept hold of it. But in the meantime, they they started looking into social services, and they were coming across cases very similar to their own. So there was one case, and this is really heartbreaking. Now it's called the Brentwood IQ case in this book to keep the the um, the names obviously. You know, we're, you're in contempt of court if you're saying certain things, right? So it's, it's referred to as the Brentwood IQ case. And basically, what happened in this case is okay, the couple, the, the mum had learning difficulties. The mum had learning difficulties, and she had quite a low IQ. Doesn't that, doesn't, um, you know, make her unable to care and love and provide for her child because she's got a learning disability. Now, I can't, I forget the reason social services were initially involved, but it was something very, very benign, a phone call or something. But they have to follow up on everything. And that's fair enough. If they're receiving a phone call, you know, where they think somebody's, you know, in trouble and whatever, then I get that. I totally get that. It's what happens when they get to that, that situation and while things escalate. So in this case, they came in hard with these two young, vulnerable parents. And what happened was um, they basically said that they couldn't provide, it was risk of future neglect, it was risk of neglect, and they couldn't provide stimuli for their children's um, future. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what they actually used as part of this. And it really, really shocked me. I couldn't believe it. But I know now from other instances that this is quite um, commonplace. So basically, the little girl who was about three um, on a supervised visit um, had been given a packed lunch. She had a packet of, crisps, I can't believe I'm even saying it. a packet of crisps, a sandwich and whatever else. Now, the little girl ate the packet of crisps first and then didn't eat the sandwich. And that was actually noted down in the records as a cause for concern. The other thing was stay, I know, I know. The other thing was staying up after eight o'clock just to watch the end of EastEnders or something it was. Now, how many families do you know? I know loads of families who do that. So these were little things that were being used against these couple. The this couple to come and take their children, and they did take their child. And the next one, when she was pregnant again, they came and took this child from birth, based on something. So the other thing was, they said the child had, um, had witnessed domestic violence. Now, when you hear that, you think, "Wow, right? Okay, fair enough." If there's domestic violence going on, let me just explain what that little scenario was. Obviously, under all of this pressure, these two parents try it. They feel every time they're having a supervised visit, they feel massively pressured. They got eyes on them constantly. Something had happened at home. And the father, who was a gentle, giant, very passive man, you know, worked as a very, very gentle man. He just, in a moment of anger, he threw his slipper at the at the wall. That's it. He threw his slipper at the wall, at nobody. And that was written down as domestic violence. Now, Lemba, if you were looking at that, case and you saw you didn't see any details but you saw domestic violence what would you know what would you think about you wouldn't think for one minute somebody tossed a slipper at a wall do you know what I mean you'd be thinking something serious had happened and this is the things I'm talking about I've even known a case local to me um at the moment social services are involved and one of the things for neglect is because the child scribbled on the wall that my child scribbled on the walls when when they were at home all children children's but these are little things that sort of they they sort of pile on top of each other and then when the parent blows up which is you know to keep your emotion and down when you know this is all going on around you and you know sort of lies and things are being twisted and whatever you're gonna react right most people will react well, then, when you, when you react, that's seen as being aggressive and not good for the child. And these are the things. So, then, but I mean, I could go into so much more detail. But these are the things that happen in the real world, yeah, and it's frightening.
1: Yeah. I, I, one of the problems is we haven't got the statistical uh, capability to analyze how much of this is going on. It almost no, we by never definition. Would. Yeah, Mm. it's by definition protected information because social services will protect themselves. And uh, in line with what I've been reading a little bit in the very, very lively chat today, uh, many social services agents are sincere and want to do the right thing.
2: Oh, yeah, no doubt,
1: no doubt. What worries me is that there's an arbitrary distinction between what's okay and what's not okay. And that's why, Catherine, I wanted to clarify the processes at the beginning of the show. Because if the local authorities are essentially the judge and jury of their own actions, it's virtually impossible to set consistent standards across the country. And worse than that, it seems to me that a malevolent social services could protect itself for whatever reason, or one which has decided to take a woke agenda, for example or one mm-hmm. where there are personal vendettas involved and they could carry on like that for years without being spotted
2: yeah and that is essentially what's happening they are they, they, this is why i think it's is sort of bred this sort of behavior because nobody is looking at it not even parliament is allowed in eric pickles mp from the, he was involved in this case actually but and he tried he i think it was 2000 oh gosh i can't remember now so i do apologize 2000 something the early 2000s and he tried to help one of his constituents i think it might have been this brentwood iq case actually and even he wasn't allowed in. name he was um issued with you know he, he being contempt of court and he even was you know threatened to lose his job and everything and this was an mp so they that mm. closed and and um you know, secret, not even parliament knows what's going on in these family courts. It's, it's really quite um well, it's really dangerous. I'm just going to give you another example of what happened with the general. Just, just, just
1: told peace. that example. We need to go to a break, uh, and then I want oh, to right, hear that example. Course. And it's actually very poignant because I want to talk about uh the status of those courts and the benefits of. Uh, Than being private or not. So that's, it's exactly where I want to go, Catherine. I'll just read you two messages before we go to the break. One is social services come knocking on the door is a bit off, says Judith. They have a legal responsibility to investigate and go through the process. I'm not saying it's always right, but that's what they have to do. And Blodders says, and I think this is quite um, appropriate for our third guest today. Does our government suffer from Munchausen's by proxy with their determined effort to harm the population? That's probably not one for you, Catherine, but That's we'll put that question. to Linda later on. Uh, hold that thought You're, uh, here with me, Lembitopic, on the Lembitopic show of today's News Talk TNT. We're going to talk about family courts. We're going to talk about the remedy for the problems we're discussing about social services in the UK. Probably a good test case for many parts of the world. Don't go anywhere. See you in a few minutes. Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help, even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything, giving you medical help and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist because the sooner you know, the more you can do. Or with Lembit Opic
0: on today's News Talk Radio
1: TNT. Welcome back to the Lembit Opic show on a very special day on today's News Talk TNT. Catherine, do you know why it's such an important day? I don't. It's it my birthday.
2: On... It's your birthday. Yeah, it's my
1: birthday today, yes. Yes. Happy and I couldn't birthday.
2: have asked...
1: Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better present than being. On the show with you and my other two guests today, uh, it's luck of the draw. One in seven chance. No, actually not. It's one in three and a half chance because I'm on two days a week and often more. Yes, I'm I'm 59 today. Would you believe? And oh, I mentioned that. Well, thank you. Uh, it started well. Uh, I've been out. I've been swimming already. I had two eggs with Marmite, which means a lot to British people, but not much to others. Vegemite, I think you call it in Australia. And uh, I'm actually full of beans as well, literally. Um, I mentioned that because the last gift that I would want would be an intervention in the family affairs of my friends, which wasn't welcome and wasn't constructive. And I think that what you're describing when you're talking about uh, social services worries me so much because of the enormous power that they have. And I know families that do have real problems, families in crisis, but they don't want the gift of social services turning up on their door on their birthday or any other day, because they think that that would make it worse and could destroy the family. Uh, I wonder, before we talk about the open and closed nature of the courts, if you have a view on this, whether the reputation of social services stops them from even being invited in.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, without a shadow of doubt. You've got people who will not go to the doctors if they, if their children, if their child falls over and, and bumps their arm, or they, they're too frightened to go. Because what happens is, you know, even there's something as, you know, little boys, well, kids run around, they get bruises all the time. I was covered in bruises as a child. Right. But these days, those bruises, there's always suspicion behind them. So this is where I've had people not, you know, they've been in real pain and they will not go. I had one lady um, who I know of. She, she had two children, two boys she was accused of Munchausen's by proxy. So she was so, she had a really, really, really bad back. But because she was so scared because social services were involved in accusing her, she didn't go to the doctors. When she finally went, she finally went because she could take no more pain. She was riddled with cancer, and she died about three weeks later, and left both of her sons without a mum because she was too frightened to go to the doctors because they'd already accused her of Munchausen's by proxy, and she was aware what that was going to do with social services. It's heartbreaking. This is what I mean when I say it's, it's really heartbreaking. So yes, a hundred percent. There's um, a very people are too frightened. They're too frightened then to ask for help, and that is really sad.
1: I know. Uh, uh domestic abuse situation, I believe it to be, where uh, I won't go into the details, because I don't want to reveal the identity of the individuals. But one partner is extremely concerned about the situation, but refuses or is resistant to taking formal action, because that individual believes that social services could come in and ruin the family, making everything a lot worse. Uh, I, I personally think there's probably a mental health issue involved there if social services doesn't have the trust of the people who need it most, what do we do about that? And then we'll talk about family courts in a minute. Um,
2: do you know, this is a really tough question, to be honest with you. Um, support is what they're going to need, not, you know, friends, family, but I, I absolutely understand that there's been such a breakdown of the family unit over the years. Mm. You know, some people are in a situation where they just don't have this and that makes them kind of more vulnerable to the system massively. Um what I would advise as well, if social service, for whatever reason, you know, for whatever reason, if social services do become involved, is to record. And you can do this legally and you can even, you know, you can record every assessment, every phone call. You obviously can record in the court because that's contempt of court. But to protect yourself and to protect the social worker, you can do that. So. You know, you are protected from anything that's you know, nothing can sort of be misconstrued or, or or twisted or whatever. You are able to do that. There is guidance that goes along with it with rules and regulations, but you are allowed to record. Now, I've seen instances quite recently where um somebody's been involved and they've they've said to the, you know, said that we're going to be recording this this assessment and the social workers refuse to enter. Now they do have the, they do have the right to refuse, however the person then is, is must go and get in as a social worker who will, you know, be, be recorded and, and, and whatever, because it does, this is where things happen is kind of, he said, she said, things are twisted when it's not monitored So when we come to the end, I just want to give a a few resolutions I think would work great. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not in a position to actually implement those um, resolutions, of course, but I think they would be, they would massively um, improve the social care system. So, um, if I can just quickly say um about yeah. something that does go on, and, and this is again, this is a I'm not having a go at social services. I understand why they why they're there, and, and you know, there is a high turnover of staff actually within social work because of things that go on, and I think is mm. it's becoming worse. I think that's what it is, you know. People go in there with good meaning, obviously. Um, but the General Social Care Council admitted this was in 2007 that it, it had registered 375 ex-convicts as social workers now they refused to inform the public if any of them had been employed with areas where with their children that's this that's the first thing they also admitted they're allowed to change so when you they, that they could use other names to register now that's really that's a massive safeguard well, safe but not their land. real
1: name Not the name that they were prosecuted under.
2: No, exactly. So if they're prosecuted under that name and we're looking for that name, but they're under a different name, then how on earth would we know? So, um, and they wouldn't respond, this was really, they wouldn't respond to inquiries concerning employment and location of social workers on either of these lists. They call it list ninety eight which is basically posing a threat to a child, or List 99, someone who's been convicted of a child-related offence. They're not giving those details out. And by the way, if somebody gets um, uh, sacked for mis- uh, gross misconduct within social work, sometimes they quietly reemploy them in another borough
1: quite quickly surely after on, the event. Surely on the precautionary principle, with 75 million people or so in the UK, you don't have to risk employing people in this area uh, with- safe, uh, with uh, with form when it comes to uh, cr- crimes against children. Most of the human race, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't committed a crime against a child.
2: Exactly. which But they're not, they're not disclosing any of these details. That's the problem. So this is, you know, when people say that's the other side of it. Yes, they are good social workers, but they are also ones we don't know any of their background and none of these people are allowed to know their background. So if you've gone acu- in a criminal court, if you're allowed to face your accuser, In the family court, things are much, much different. The accuser is protected. You're not allowed to know the background background of um, the social work. You're not allowed to know any of that. So this is where there's a massive, massive disadvantage, huge disadvantage, um, being as it is. And there are things when you're ready, you know, when we're ready to, to finish, which I would think could happen that would help this system massively. But as I say, I can't put these into place. But
1: for instance... Go on, you you go on, you carry on. Uh,
2: oh, okay. I want to
1: get to the remedy at, at, at the end. I just wanted to cover two yeah. other things. And then I want to know uh, what you as uh, a potential uh, fixer would do if you had the power to wave a magic yeah. wand. Just two things. One is, it seems to me that what's missing, and I say this as a, as a human being and also as a former member of parliament and a former councillor, actually, I was in a local authority once, what's missing is a non-confrontational mediation system, which is state-funded, where there's an absolute guarantee that it won't automatically or necessarily lead to social services intervention. I think there Mm. should be some statutory middle way here where uh, it's compulsory if one partner demands or one person in the situation, a parent, for example, or a guardian, demands it that everyone attends, but it doesn't have legal status, I think that that should exist. I don't oh, know if definitely. that would help. It might be expensive, but I, I personally feel that might take away some of the fear. What do you think?
2: I Yeah, I, t- I agree with you. I agree with you because at the first instance, as soon as social services are involved, that's when the panic happens in a lot of people, see, yeah. anyway. But if we had that system before that was even i think people would feel way more at ease and then you make the decision at the end i see what you're saying and i think that's a that's a that would be a good idea moving forward definitely definitely it would I'm, at least build I'm, some trust and and not be people not be so fearful
1: about what you know, they're going about. it's a campaign which on reflection i, I might see if uh, if i, I pursue uh, certainly I, i'll be welcoming uh, the the views of our very uh, circumspect uh, Today's News Talk TNT viewers as well on that. So do do put your views on in the chat. The second question before we go to remedy, should family courts be open or closed in terms of the press? Uh, I'll I'll put my cards on the table. I'm not very keen on having media in courts because I think that creates uh, additional problems. You're tried by the media. So even if you're cleared, people remember the charges.
2: Mm. Yeah, no. For What I think is it should be open, not as, as in... Open court, but the the names of the children redacted, obviously, to keep the children safe. So we can still hear the details of the court without hearing who it was. So I don't mean in the court, but, you know, press, uh, it should be open because the problem is it's not. And and no press are allowed to report on any of this, any of it. and, And that's when you haven't got the press reporting on things, this is the problem we've got because the general populace does not know what is going on. Therefore, they're not even able to safeguard themselves if something ca- happens to them. So I do believe it should be open court with the consent of the parent, obviously with the consent of everybody and if it's in the public interest.
1: That's what I believe. Yeah. That's a big debate with, for another time as well. I'm perhaps more sceptical. I've uh, experienced all kinds of negative treatment and libel in the hands of the press. Mm. But it's materially harmed my political career actually um it's for another time not for my birthday but the reality is uh i wonder if that's a dimension that most people wouldn't be able to cope with Let, let's park that for now because it's a bigger debate than we can get through in four minutes mm-hmm. but turning to the remedy uh so we can perhaps stay on on a positive note you yeah. are now the prime minister what do you yeah. tell whichever minister is responsible for social services policy to do
2: Every social worker is to have a body cam, every single one of them. And if the body cam is not working at that time, then that's a technicality. They can use that as evidence, right? Body cams at all time, like the police do, I believe. Um, I'm not sure, actually, but they should do. Um, Open court, I had said, we've discussed that one anyway. Three judges, not one. There's only one judge in the in the family court. There should be three, right? So there's a more of a why. I don't like the fact there's one. And adoption only after all other avenues have been um, looked at, after all investigations have been done. Because the thing is, right, they twin track it. So they start it as soon as social services are involved and the interim care order goes in. That's the start of the adoption process. And it takes 26 weeks. And that is not a long time, especially when you've got things medically involved. You know, some you need experts um, that takes sometimes take wi- a while to get the results back. Do you know what I mean? Six months is not a long time. And as we know, adoption is the only thing that cannot be reversed. So there's been cases where they've they've gone for the adoption process. The the mother and father have been at the same time been collecting their evidence from medical um, experts, external medical experts, getting all this back. They were too late. So uh, the, the adoption had happened, and I think I think it was like 10 days later, the medical, the independent medical report came back, relieved them of all wrongdoing, but it was too late. They couldn't have their child back because the adoption had been finished 10 days.
1: Heartbreaking. So you imagine heartbreaking. having
2: that? It's heart- heartbreaking, isn't it? And this is why we've got so many broken adults as well, Lembert, because this is what's going on a lot. And that that would, I've got to, look, my daughter's nearly 14. If somebody tried to take her from me, that would be the end of my world. I'm going to be completely honest. So how some of these people manage to keep them and many of them don't and who would blame them because that's the most precious thing ever being taken from you when you know you've mm. done nothing wrong. And that's that's mm. that's what's, what's important. Cases with no criminal evidence to be dropped, but reviewed with an aim to review. So if there's no criminal evidence, you can't, you know, in a criminal court, obviously, it's beyond um a reasonable doubt but in a in a family court it's based on probability and that's not fair that is absolutely not fair um and actually we spoke about this earlier instead of using that money to take the child out of the family unit and then pay a foster carer between 250 and a 500 pound a week per child why don't you use that money to actually send one of your social workers into the home to help with the with what's got into the into their place, not taking them out into a center and watching them for an hour and a half where they feel they can't go into their home and help them. That would cost it, it would actually save save lot of money. A lot of money because mm. there's a lot of money that
1: goes into adoption. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking all this time. Uh, I will tell you that Holly uh, says that she still scribbles on walls. Uh, uh, the suggestion from Lee says, no, you don't, Holly, you paint on walls. The question is, if you get your children to paint on the walls, you might not be done for abuse, but you might be done for child labour. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> really interesting. Thank you we've, for only having just, me. we've only just scratched the surface there. Where can people find out more about what you're doing and your uh, your, your programme?
2: Um, right. Well, my uh, my website is the lie.info. I've got to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of information on there. I haven't, I've been so busy lately working on cases. I haven't really had time to do it. But the other one, we're doing a nightly news show with libertytactics.co.uk. So that's a radio show. So if anyone find me there, that's absolutely fantastic.
1: Catherine, thanks so much. We'll definitely have you back. This is a subject I'm interested in. I'd like to talk to you about Social services and domestic abuse. Uh, next time, it's a subject which I find interesting and very important, and often uh, quite biased in its reporting. That was Catherine Watkins. After the break, we're going to go into the politics of Denmark. We'll be speaking to the chair of the Prosperity Party. We'll be finding out what that's all about and what were the motivations. All of that with me on the Lembitopic show, right here on today's News Talk. I'll see you in a few minutes.